we turn to your word to learn more, I ask that you'd help us to not only be hearers, but also doers. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right, so, um, oh, I was going to brag real quick. I want to brag on Holly and Brian. Uh, this week, I was in the federal um, holding facility. What's it called? Chesapeake Detention Facility, like the castle downtown. You see it with the barbed wire and everything. I was in there, not for anything I had done. Uh, I was in there with Miss Millie, uh, one of our partners with uh, Mother's Cry uh, Ministry to um, Mothers of Murder Victims, who goes in there with moms of murder victims to explain to those that are incarcerated what it happens to a family when they lose a loved one to gun violence. And I was hearing from uh, the the prisoners um, some amazing stories, and it really would take me an hour to explain. It was it was awesome. And um, a fourth of the men in this room, a whole bunch of men crammed in this little room, are a part of uh, Celebrate Recovery, which Brian and Holly both do uh, for men and for women uh, inside. And they were telling me how awesome Celebrate Recovery is and how it makes a difference in their life and how they're learning how to pray and learning what the forgiveness really means. And these were, these are, these are serious characters. This is not your country club detention center. And uh, it was an awesome thing. And I just want to publicly, I know that you guys don't want me to do this. I know you don't like it, but I just want to publicly say, Holly, Brian, you are doing awesome work with prisoners. We need to be praying for them. We need to be volunteering with them. I know Ron also, Ron Brooks also is involved with that. Um, and they need, need more volunteers. I think Jesus had something to say about that. Just saying. Okay, so as a church, our stated purpose you see on the screen behind me, we're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. And we've been in a series from a story that Dr. Luke records in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, about Jesus connecting with somebody who was far from God. Jesus connecting with... Somebody's not having a good morning. For those of you that are listening, I apologize. Okay. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And Jesus connects with Zacchaeus, the chief of tax collectors in the city of Jericho, somebody who had gotten wealthy off of cheating people. And somebody who had betrayed his own countrymen, the people of his own ethnicity, fellow Jews. They were in Roman-occupied Jericho. And Jesus makes a point of going where church folks or religious people didn't think he should go and going to the house of Zacchaeus, loving on Zacchaeus, helping Zacchaeus, giving Zacchaeus an opportunity to turn and to come to salvation. And we see something Something I haven't pointed out in the last two Sundays. Right before this statement that we've been focused on, Jesus says in verse 9, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now we focused on the most important part of the passage, but I've not talked about that real quick. Jesus is pointing out that from that moment of salvation... Zacchaeus is not who he was before. 
Because before, he would not have been called a true son of Abraham. Right? Right? You hear what I'm saying? Because he would have been called a traitor of the sons of Abraham. But at the moment of salvation, Jesus says, you are a true son of Abraham. Jesus himself, as a son of Abraham, is able to say this. That's powerful. And then he drops the bomb. And then he turns to his followers. And this is really geared towards people that have already crossed the line of faith, stepped across, said, I believe that the salvation that Jesus makes available is real. This, The rest of this is really for people that have crossed that line of faith, that have accepted the forgiveness of Jesus, the, the free gift of grace through our faith in Him. And Jesus turns to the believers and said, I'm here to seek and to save the lost. you got to think about yourself in terms of this guy who climbed up into a tree, desperate, hungry. He had come to a place of when you get what you want and it's not good enough. That was the place where in his spiritual hunger he undignifies, he strips down the facade. See, one of the biggest differences between what we have here in the United States and where my sister serves, for example, in Cambodia, is that here in America we have this thing called cool. You gotta be cool. You gotta play it cool. You gotta, you gotta have an image. And we all saw what happened last Sunday as Cam's image was smashed. And then what he looked like after the game. See, in other countries, in Cambodia, other places, there, third world situation, they don't have the same mode of interacting with each other, of putting up a front. Right? But in honesty and a hunger, and honesty about, yeah, life ain't working. And that is to whom Jesus came. But we've got to grow up a little bit and ask ourselves a question. How do we follow Jesus in this way of seeking and saving the lost. Because clearly it's important. We have in the great commandment and the great commission that you see on the screen, Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, hey, teacher, what is the most important stuff in the book? And his response is, love God with all you've got and love your neighbor in the same way you take care of yourself. So he clearly is describing a love that gives Lust gets, and all the brokenness and bad memories around Valentine's Day and all the hurt and the angst. I know it's difficult for a lot of people in this room, and I applaud you for coming this morning to church to be in a social setting, even though it's difficult. There are bad memories. There's been a shipwreck in life. See, romantic love and church are both at their best when people get a God kind of love, and a God kind of love is a love that gives. Lust gets, love gives. And that's what Jesus describes when he's asked, what's the most important thing in the whole book? Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor in the same way you take care of yourself. And then he's wrongfully put to death to pay the price for our sins. He's dead three days. He comes back to life. A historically documented fact. I've got a book over there for you if you want to investigate that called A Case for Christ. He's resurrected 500 some odd people see him for 40 days. And before he goes back, before he ascends to the Father, he gives them this mission that is a mission to us today. Go 
to people of all sorts. To people, no matter the color of their skin, go. To people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't smell like you, go and urge as many as possible to become followers and teach them the things that I taught you. So that's the mission of Christ, and we've got to ask ourselves, how? How do we do this? It, It might even seem overwhelming. It might even seem like, oh, that's only for the people that have a wild personality. (laughs) Or the professional Christians. No, that's not, that is not to whom Jesus was speaking. How? How do we follow Jesus in this mission of seeking and saving the lost? Last week, we kind of laid out a, a real simple template. You've got to be following Jesus for yourself personally, number one. Number two, you need to be available. A part of it is realizing that God has already given us His best, and so it's courageous generosity to choose to live on less of our own time, energy, and money. Did you catch that? We choose to live on less of our own time, energy, and money so that we are available for others. We've got to learn how to ask questions. Good questions. So that you can hear somebody else's story. And if you want to hear somebody else's story, you've got to listen. That's one, two, three that we talked about last week. Today, I want to talk about something very, very simple. Share your story and his story. When John, the disciple who would often try to be closest to Jesus, got a revelation of Jesus. That's that scary book at the back of your Bible. The title is actually The Revelation of Jesus. And John is walking through his revelation of what Father God showed him. One of the things that Father God showed him about the end times before Jesus would return was that the believers would overcome the enemy by two things. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The one thing that we believe in is the value of your story. That's why when we gather in small groups and when we gather here on Sundays, we want someone to be sharing a part of their story. There is power in your story. And the truth of the matter is, if you don't see the power in your story, you won't be as likely to share it. Does that make sense? So let me give you an example. This past week, Brian and I, Went to Nacho Mama's. Some of you know that place in Canon. I thought it was funny because I, I used to have a friend that would joke about that all the time. It's it Spanglish. And we, this is mine. It's nachos. It's Nacho Mama's. And we were at Nacho Mama's. And one of my favorite Mexican dishes of all time is Camarones con Tocino, which is bacon-wrapped shrimp. Woo-hoo, somebody. Right? Bacon-wrapped shrimp. They had kind of a fusion on that and made it into like a soft taco with bacon-wrapped shrimp. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. My excitement about that dish informs the energy with which I tell you about it. (laughs) If you're not excited about your story, somebody, let me try that again. I don't know who I'm talking to. If you're not excited about your story, you're not going to share it. And sometimes you got to share it to get excited about it. You got to taste and see in your own life that the Lord is good. You got to think about where he brought you from. Oh, I just I just I know a lot of you are calm people from calm backgrounds and that's not me. 
So I'm just about to get Pentecostal, right? Where did you come from? What was it that God pulled you out of? What was the brokenness? What was the damage? What was, what was the trajectory of your life? I can tell you for a fact, if not for Jesus, I would be dead today. And if I were not dead, I would be worse than dead. I would be a detriment to society. It would take me a long time to explain why that is true. And so that's why I'm excited to share my story. So I need to be able to share my story and his story. And really, you should be able to do this in two minutes. You should be able to just think through, real simple, before Jesus I was, and I'm not talking about, you don't need to list all your deeds, don't confess to crimes you haven't been punished for, you know what I'm saying, right? You can just say selfish. You can just say hopeless. You can just say angry. You can just say hurt. You can just say arrogant. You can just say selfish, which would not describe anyone in this room, of course. But before Jesus, I was, and with Jesus, I am. Think about it. Learn how to share your story. And we should also learn how to tell the story of Jesus. Now, for me, I always find it easiest to start in the Garden of Eden. For a long time, I carpooled with this guy who grew up um, Jewish by birth and in a Jewish home was never practicing and had a really difficult life. We carpooled together for a couple years. And finally, after, I don't know, a year maybe, he says, listen, what's so what's the big deal with Jesus anyway? We had taken a year, like out of the blue, bam! It's like, we're going to work. I'm half awake. He's driving. And I started to give an answer. And I realized that my answer was complicated. And so I said, and I think it was God's grace, God's leading me in the moment. I said, well, if you're going to understand Jesus, you got to understand what God was doing from the beginning. And I think we got to have a real firm grasp, which is why we have the purple book over here. If you don't have one already, please take one. It's my gift to you. Please take a purple book if you don't have one. I got to start in the Garden of Eden. I got to understand what God was doing when God gave us all of humanity an opportunity. And he said, you can do anything that you want except one thing. That was God's setup. Now, thanks to Adam and Eve, we don't get to live that way, do we? Right? God is not a rule-making God. God is a permissive, a gracious, a fun-loving, an exciting, a creative God. So i got to start with Adam and Eve in the start to explain Jesus and be able to explain his story. But let me just focus on learning how to share your story. So right now, in uh, Portland, Oregon, there's a, a young adult, young lady named Lisa Taylor. Lisa has given me permission to share her story. Um, so... I've had full-time ministry jobs. I've had uh, volunteer and I've worked in offices and I've dug ditches and sold used tires. I've done all sorts of stuff for a living. Last office job I had before moving here, um, I'd kind of worked my way up into management and had a couple of administrative assistants and one of them was Lisa. Lisa was in her, well, when she started with the company, she was 19 years old. It's like a real, real typical 19-year-old young lady, you know, loved to party, loved to drink, loved to... Um, do those things to excess, loved, loved everything that came with the party and lifestyle and the party and culture, loved it to the hilt. She loved life. And um, 
I, I remember I was in, uh, when I started with the company, there was only one other believer in the company, and some of the guys that hired me didn't want to hire me because I was a believer, which you know, on my resume, you, kinda, you, can't, you can't miss it. And um, I remember one day she said, what are you going to do for Valentine's Day? And in like 30 seconds, I had expressed my love for my wife in such a way that she'd never heard that before. She was struck. And she just like, it was like her head was spinning. And so later that afternoon, she she asked me a couple more questions. Like, how do you... How do you love her like that? Because you all know I'm crazy about Rebecca. Right? Twitter-pated, infatuated, all the aided's, right? So, and I, that afternoon I got a chance to tell her, well, the fact of the matter is, is that it's because of Jesus. So before Jesus, I was selfish. I abused and used young women. But with Jesus, I'm, this is who I am. And that was it. I didn't say anything more. And then a couple of years after we moved to Baltimore, I get a message that she came to faith in Christ. Your story doesn't need to be detailed. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be overly rehearsed. It just needs to be you and you need to feel it. Does that make sense? This is Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks got married at the age of 19. Her husband Ray was 29. And long before sitting on the bus and everything that went down at the civil rights movement, they loved each other. They loved each other like crazy. And they loved each other in such a way that they were married for 45 years before he passed away. 45 years they were married. And they went through ups and they went through downs. In fact, a few years after they got married, Ray helped Rosa go back and earn her high school diploma. He helped her with her education. And they both became educated. They both worked. And they spent a lifetime of helping other people find careers. But think about what they went through. Through the racism and the evil of racism. Where they were living. After the incident on the bus, they couldn't get jobs. They were let go. They couldn't get jobs anywhere. Because of the color of their skin. So they had to move to Detroit together to be able to earn a living. Go Detroit. They moved to Detroit together to earn a living. They went through really hard times and loved each other faithfully because of Jesus. They were both Christians, Christians most of their lives, faithful to each other, And if Rosa Parks and her husband Ray were here today, I think they would tell you that their marriage was because of Jesus. So first, African American, the first woman to ever lay in state in our capital, Rosa Parks. For those of you who don't know, this is my beautiful wife, Rebecca. (laughs) She didn't know I was going to bring her up here today. Um, About 10 days is the 20th anniversary of our engagement. 
And some of you wouldn't know, uh, Rebecca is, is educated by our elders and the elders of church in Portland, licensed and ordained as a minister. Rebecca is humble. She's brilliant. She's funny. She loves life. She loves people. And, and she's, she's real. She's accessible. But I wanted to tell you our engagement story. You got another minute. Rebecca, we were, we had actually known each other our whole lives. We weren't always together. We, her family moved to California, um, when we were in elementary school and then to Africa when we were in high school. But apart from those years, we've known each other, been around each other our whole lives. Our parents knew each other before we were born. We were born a month apart. And so when we got together, it was weird (laughs) to other people. (laughs) And, um, so we had been dating not too long. I'm in my last year of college, about to get my degree, and she had dared me to surprise her with the engagement. And so the plot began. <laughs> and the backstory is that Rebecca's parents were never able to surprise her with a birthday party. Is this true? Okay, you're going to correct me if I say anything, if I do any lying. Okay, good. And so she dared me to surprise her. Now at the time. She, um, our church is about 7,000 members, 33-acre campus, multi-site, and all this stuff. Rebecca was an administrative assistant slash a bunch of stuff. When, when she left, they replaced her with uh, two people, two full-time people to do the work she was doing. One of the things that she was responsible for was room reservations. Like if you were going to use a room in the church facilities, you had to go through her. So one of my obstacles was not only asking her parents' permission, right, which obviously came first... Don't you go texting your sweet thing's parents for permission. Right? So I had to talk to her parents, um, obviously my parents. Um, I actually went and approached the pastor that she was serving under, the department, the one that I was serving under, of course, which we had talked to already. Um, also, I, I um, spoke with a couple that did our premarital counseling, which is something that we do, where we are happy to do. We do marriage counseling and family counseling and premarital counseling. But I had to get the church reserved for the wedding. And so a lie was formed. The elder in the church, who is a, a, a professor in the Bible college, who also did Boy Scouts, I got him to create a fake event on the church calendar for our wedding date. Right? I organized a party because, yeah, I was arrogant like that. I thought for sure she was going to say yes. Right? I organized a whole party. And what I did ahead of time, true story, the, my boss and a coworker of mine were like constantly in friction with each other. Was, so I was constantly like telling stories about, oh, you know, it was a rough day, this, that, whatever. Her mom, her mom's parents had this ranch that she loved. She learned how to ride horses on when she was a kid. Her, her mom delivered, her dad delivered bricks for a living and earned enough money to have a little bit of land. And so every six weeks, her parents would go to go visit the grandfather, and sometimes it would get moved around. And I had it worked out that I, I always worked Saturdays, was in college at two jobs, that I would get the day off on the day that they were going to visit the grandpa to be at the ranch that where there was a really special place to her. And yes, bought the ring, you know, that we had looked at before, but also I had spent six months convincing her that the finances weren't there and that it was going to have to be another six months to a year before we could afford to get married. And even even shortly before I proposed on a date, she, and most of you won't believe this, she started crying, which she doesn't do very often, and, and said, ah, I just, let's not worry about the finances, let's just get married. I was like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. You know? 
And um, so I, um, I called her Saturday morning and said, hey, guess what? They're, they're at it again. And um, boss gave me the day off so that they can kind of hash out their differences. And she was at, with her parents um, at their house to get ready to go to the ranch. And she's like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's nice. And it was the week after Valentine's Day, which I had done on purpose, had done Valentine's Day up really big. And, um, and so her, her parents were like, and, and like, Rebecca's just like, oh, okay, that's great. You've got the day off. It's not working. She's not inviting me to come to the ranch. And so her mom's in the background. Who's that? Right? Why don't you invite him to come? So they swing by my work, pick me up. We go to the ranch. We sit down and have lunch. We get up. Of course, to get up to help do the dishes, and her mom's like, oh, no, you just go, you know, take Ben, you know, on a walk, and so we go, and uh, we're walking away from the house, and there's a stream, there's this, the Sandy River, which in Oregon is a big deal, and um, there's this barn where they would care for the horses and feed the horses that was a real special place to Rebecca, and that was where I wanted to propose, this really mangy dog following us around, what was the dog's name? Don't remember the dog's, poor dog. Uh, as Charlotte pointed out the other day, all dogs and books die. Uh, so that's my daughter. What am I going to say? She's noticing a pattern. She's noticing a pattern. She said, even in the scientific book, the person pointed out a story about their own dog that died. So anyway, so I said, hey, you know, let's go over to the, the barn. You know, I'm tired. We'll sit down and talk. She's like, no, I want to go down to the river and catch some salamanders. So no, I'm really, let's go sit down in the barn. She's like, no, I want to go catch some salamanders. So I had to convince her to go to the barn with me. Convince her to go to the barn. I stand, standing there with her. And I look down and there's horse poo. (laughs) So I set her up to sit on a hay bale and was telling her how much she means to me. And then I hit my knee and I proposed. And she cried, and she smiled, and she cried, and she smiled. And then I said, is that a yes? <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, Thank you. Let me show her a little bit of this one. So thankfully we were able to go to the party, and I could say she said yes. There's power in your story. Because I can say that I wouldn't have been that person, would not have been able to do that, if not for Jesus in my life. And I explained some of that last week in some of my own story of damage and healing. God loves you. God like crazy loves you. God loves you. It is not about trying to be good enough. It's about accepting the free gift of grace. And when we do that, when we never get too far from our own forgiveness, people want to hear the story. You will have your own Lisa Taylors in your life that will come and say, I don't get it. How how are you like this? And you can very simply Tell your story and tell his story. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer.
God, I thank you so very much that you didn't leave us on our own to try to find some way to be good enough, to try to find some way to be forgiven of our sins, to try to find some way to deserve it, to earn it. I thank you so very much that you also didn't just save us for us to just walk around being happy with nothing to do, that you give us purpose, that you have put people in our lives, some of them broken, some of them hurting, some of them pretending that they're okay, some of them that smell different, look different, talk different, but you have put people in our lives, some of them annoying, some of them interesting, Lord God, you've put people in our lives that need you, that without you are broken, without you are hurting. I ask that you would put within us your compassion for them, that you would give us an opportunity to share your story and to share our story. I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week. Thank you for being here. Have a good day.